Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Flight Deck Podcast. It's your boy TK, and joining me is my guy, Mr. Omari Brown. What's happening, bro? What's up? What's up, bro? We got a lot to talk about, so I'm really excited. Draft talk, trade talk. So yeah, we 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 can get right into it. Oh yeah, man. Like we we're not gonna waste any time, man. This episode, we're gonna be all gas, no breaks. So we might as well get started with around the uh the NFL. Honestly, the, the biggest talk this week around the NFL centers around the New York Jets. And they have finally traded Sam Donald, um, which came to no surprise to, to us. We've been talking about it for weeks now. But it, it you know, it, it, it struck a nerve in the, the Jets family. Of course it would, you know, the, the split that's been, we've seen brewing for the past month or two. But it is what it is, man. And uh, I, for one, uh, I applaud the kid for, for his efforts. Uh, he said and did all the right things off the field. Didn't quite translate, you know, on the field for a myriad of reasons. And we've talked about that at length. But uh, I, I wish him the best, man, except week three when we play him uh, this upcoming season. So good luck to Sam. Yeah, man, I think that uh, a lot of Sam's deficiencies, a lot of Sam's failures wasn't all on Sam. I think it was 50-50. The Jets have to take a – it might be 65. <laughs> it might be 65-35, man, as far as far as the uh, the Jets being uh, responsible for his lack of development. Um, I wanted Sam. I was excited when Sam got here. Sam looked like he was turning the corner towards the end of his rookie year. I thought that he probably should have learned a little bit more. He probably should have sat behind McCown. Um, I thought <laughs> I thought that it was wrong for them to hire Adam Gase to help his development because players and people and teams get better once they're not around Adam Gase anymore. So I, one thing I will say, man, I really loved how Sam never, you know, Sam always shoulders the blame. Sam never pointed the finger. And Sam was tough as hell. He got beat up behind some pretty bad lines. He uh, was left out to dry with with uh, some pretty bad supporting cast. But one thing that one thing I will say, man, that dude is tough. That dude is he he's a he's a pro. I remember like there's not a lot of people, and I know he got paid to do the weekly spot. But you know, TK, I know you're not here in the in the New York in the New York market, man. It, it was tough to listen to Sam some of those Mondays after some of those terrible losses where they just look bad. And every, and every Monday he was there, man, I was listening to him. So I'm happy that, that Sam goes to a situation where he's going to thrive. I feel Matt rule, David Tepper, Matt rule and Joe Brady. I'm telling, I've been telling you guys that I, I even consider Joe Brady to be on the jets head coaching search. Joe Brady is younger than me. Joe Brady's 31 years old. And that dude is going to be a head coach in the next two to maybe three years. The only reason why he's not a head coach now is because he's 31. That dude is a genius. And if you guys don't know, he is the architect or he's probably the mastermind behind Joe Burrow's ascension. And you saw what LSU did. And even with Teddy Bridgewater, who's, you know, Teddy checked down to a lot of people, they were able to be explosive and he puts people in the right spot. So I think this is a good spot for Sam. Carolina's building something. Matt Rule knows what he's doing. They've got a decent offensive line. They've got DJ Chalk. They've got um, uh, CMC, Christian McCaffrey down there. So hopefully Sam Darnold does well in every game next season besides that third game of the season. So I'm, I'm definitely excited about that. But let's, you know, we are a Jets podcast, so let's talk about what the Jets got. So the Jets got a six-round pick in 2021. 
uh, second rounder in 2022 and a fourth rounder. So TK, what do you, how do you feel about the compensation that the Jets got? I was actually surprised. And, you know, on the last episode I, we talked about, I felt like that a lot of teams shied away from him because of that, that uh, fifth year option. And we saw Carolina pick it up immediately after trading for him, which I knew, you know, was going to happen with, with the team trading for Sam. I mean, you, you tying yourself to him for two seasons. Um, with that said, I, I figured that the trade would, would happen with compensation from next year, not this year. So I was actually pleasantly surprised to see that we actually got three picks. Um, a lot of people and a lot of people who complained only saw six round in 2021 um, and, and not the, the, the totality of the, of the deal. Like, and I, and I messaged you um, and I said that, uh, the, 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 he gave the fans what they wanted draft capital. He, he gave them what they wanted. Um, so the way I look at it as man, he's actually, he, he actually is going to, going to have his quarterback and he has capital to either now move back into the first round. If it's a, a, a player that he really wants, or he's got, you know, the, the capital to continue building, but it's a process and he's just, you know, um, made the process a lot easier because now you have basically your quarterback in place and you have the pieces, the, the tools to build around saying quarterback, whomever it is. Yeah. I, I like the compensation. I would have liked maybe more of a mid rounder for this year. Um, you know, Sam, I think that is going to be a good situation for Sam and he's going to, he, and he's also, I forgot this, he's reuniting with Robbie Anderson as well, too. I was watching this um, uh, kind of like a farewell Sam video. All of his big plays were to Robbie Anderson. Yeah. All, like pretty much all of his big plays were, were to Robbie Anderson. So Sam Donald's going to, uh, I think, a really good situation. Uh, less media. That's also going to be great for him. I think, Joe, and I'm nitpicking here. I would have, I would have pushed for a fourth for a conditional, I think, it's kind of hard because it's so close to the draft. So you're right. I, I would have liked one of those picks to be like conditional, maybe like the conditional fourth. If Sam plays 12 games or if he starts 15 games this year, then that fourth becomes a third because you're thinking about it. If you, you know, you're, you're getting, they got a potentially a franchise QB or a starting QB game manager, QB, whatever you want to call them or a second or fourth and this year six. So I would have tried to get a little bit more compensation on the front side and then maybe tie some of those condition, maybe conditional. So maybe get like a third or a fourth this year and then maybe, you know, a second and, um, you know, next year that'll be a fourth or a fifth. But I, I thought that he did good because now next year the Jets have, you know, the Jets have 10 picks in this year's draft. So they're going to, they're going to be, there's going to be some wheeling and dealing. And then that next, he doesn't have to make all these picks. So maybe there's a, um, maybe, for argument's sake, let's say Kyle Pitt starts to fall and the Jets are at 23 and they want to get into striking distance. You can send them Seattle's first rounder next year and move up and get Zach Wilson and Kyle Pitts. Well, let's say one of the tackles that we're going to get into, maybe Elijah Vera Tucker, you know that uh, some team is going to be right there. Maybe you think that um, Washington, the football team is going to, is going to jump and get uh, Tucker. Jets need interior O-line help, which we're going to get to. Maybe you send them next year. Maybe you send them that extra second next year to jump four spot, four or five spots and get in front of a team like that. So now, now we're going to start to see 
And what we saw from Douglas last year in his first draft, he likes to maneuver around the draft, which I love, and you also love too. So that means that he's gonna he's gonna he 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 knows how to work the board. He knows where there's value, and good teams are built in rounds two, three, and four. Obviously, you obviously you know you want to hit with your first rounders, but the real meat and potatoes of all good teams are are, are two, three, and four, and those compensatory picks. You see what the Ravens do all the time. It's, it's all it's all a system and it's all a funnel. So it's good that he's going to have plenty of chances to hit with this draft. But man, he has to hit. Now we can't just wax poetic about this. There is another side to this. What if Zach Wilson is a dud and Sam Donald goes on there and lights it up? How is that going to look for Joe Douglas? Well. <sighs> It's crazy you say that because I've seen so many Jets fans hoping that that happens, which is insane to me. But listen, man, um, I do agree that he he has to hit, and there there will be an unreasonably large amount of pressure. And it is already pressure being in a New York Jet in New York. Period. It's uh, listen. It's, it's pressure being a, a front office person for any New York team. Any yeah. honestly, any any major sports team. To be yeah. real. Because guess what? The Kansas City Royals GM, I'm sure people in Kansas City thinks he sucks too. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Go. But uh, it, it's, it's going to be a lot of pressure, man. And, like, all of the pressure is off of Sam, to be quite honest with you. But if he would have stayed here, that would have been so much on him. And the first mistake that he made, he was going to hear it. So, I think... I think now he's, you know, like you said, he's in a better situation. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Teddy. That's, and, and, you know, it's assuming that he beats Teddy out if Teddy stays. He's They've gave, given Teddy permission to seek a trade or whatever. Um, but to your, to your question, if Sam goes and lights it up and Wilson is okay, um, it's not going to matter that first year. His rookie year, it's not going to be a huge deal, um, as long as the kid looks competent. As long as the kid looks like okay, he can play. He has some things we can clean up. We'll we'll work towards cleaning up throughout the year and get him in the off season and, and clean up even more. But we really won't see the ramifications of this until years two and three, especially three. Three is when you expect your quarterback to be you know, who he's going to be. And that is why Sam is not a New York Jet because of year three. So we'll see. Yeah, I totally agree. My my whole thing is I, I just want them to, I just want them to do everything in their power to make sure that whoever the QB is, I mean, we're just going to say Zach Wilson because that's just, you know. We're, Worst kept secret. Here. Yeah, yeah, where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's a ton of smoke and this shit it might as well be a forest fire at this point. But <clears throat> I think that Joe Douglas is only, what, 21 months, 22, let's just say two years, actually. It's, he's, he's really only at year two of this. So I think now that Sam Darnold was never his quarterback. He tried to do it. You know, he tried to, you know, he promised his family, all that stuff. But again, God, people had to want to come here. This was not a good situation right. for people to come to. There was not, a, there was nothing. What were they building on? Um Fugazi second half record in 2019. And like, like this wasn't a desirable um, destination. So it was just really hard to actually surround 
to surround Sam with the with the you know with the necessary talent. Right. And, and he tried. You know, he he tried like hell. But what I do like now is that Joe Douglas, this is going to be his QB. Number two pick. This is going to be his guy. So now his name is tied to this guy because he always had an out. Gase wasn't his coach, even though they, they, they were pretty cool. But let's be real. Gase wasn't his pick. And Sam wasn't his QB. And and you know what? He he acted like it. Say say what you want. He he kind of acted like it. When you let Robbie walk out and you let and you think Bashar Perriman is a suitable upgrade, I mean you, you're pretty much saying that you don't really want your quarterback to succeed. Not even succeed. an upgrade. Yeah, he, not even an upgrade. He looked at him as a lateral movement. Exactly. Yeah, but that that wasn't even a lateral move because you know right. what? people can say what they want about Robbie. He ran the wrong routes. He's too small. Robbie's ass always played, and Robbie was always there. He may not. He might have run a slant when he was supposed to run a drag or or a hitch, but Robbie was there. So, so, so that's what I'll say about that. But uh, the one thing that's that's going to be good about this about this uh, potential QB pick is that it's going to be Douglas's guy. And now that his name is tied to it, he's going to do everything in his power to surround that guy with talent and to make sure that this is an environment for this guy to succeed. Now, one thing that does worry me, and I don't know how true this is. On the Michael K show, which is pretty big in the New York market, uh, he does the afternoon drive from two to around seven, depending on when the Yankee games start. He did say that Lafleur, Matt Lafleur, and and uh, no, Mike Lafleur, Mike, Mike. I'm sorry, I keep saying Matt. Mike Lafleur and Robert Sala actually wanted to run it with Sam. So, so this is good and bad with that. Bad that that maybe that there's a little bit of. Um, Maybe maybe they're not on the same page as much as we thought, but this is one good thing is that with this new hierarchy and you don't have the head coach and the GM both reporting to the owner, this is good now. So so now that we know we know that Joe Douglas is in charge, if this is in fact true. So does that give you any? Does that leave you? Does that give you any trepidation going forward? Is um, thinking that there's going to be some turmoil there, or is this or is this uh, nothing that you'd worry about? Nothing. It's, it's, it's nothing to me. And that's that's the assumption that, you know, what you just said is true. Uh, even if it is true, I don't see it as, as being problematic because, like you said, Joe's in charge. Now, he they said, you know, in the beginning when Salah got hired that, you know, Joe's in charge. Salah would, you know, have valuable input on the things that's going on. And they will sit down as a group and discuss things and, and come to an agreement. Like, and I, I believed them. And I, I believe that's what happened here. Salah and and um Mike might may have wanted Sam, but you know, Joe could have possibly came in and said, Look, this is why I want to do this, this, and this, because of this, this, and this. And they, you know, agreed, like, okay, I'm with it. You this is what you want. I can understand your your POV. Let's roll with this. Uh, so I, I don't I don't think it's a problem. And I love the fact that everything about the front office and the decisions being made this whole offseason was all pure speculation. We didn't hear a peep. Like, we didn't know what was going on with them, unlike every other year that I can remember. You know, there was no back page um, rumblings and, and revelations and, and all of this management or tried as he liked to, to drum up shit. And you saw what happened with him. So I just don't see this being a problem. Um, and to what you said earlier, I, I just want to say this about Joe and his situation. 
this is really his first full year, in my opinion. Like when he came, free agency was done, draft was done. Um, no, 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 free agency was done leading up to the draft. So like he didn't have a chance to really get his people in place that he wanted. Again, Gates was the, the, the head coach. So now this season, everything has been on him. All of the offseason uh, moves. Now all of the draft moves, all of the trade moves, everything is on him. And I just don't see him, you know, bound down or, or making the same foolish mistakes that he admitted to with Robbie that you brought up. I just don't see that happening, you know, with him right now. So his name is is is, is in every part of this, man. And, and I think it's going to be good. How good? I don't know. But I don't I'm not going to see and say, hey, we Super Bowl bound 2022. Not, I'm not saying anything like that. But it won't be the clown show circus that we've been known for since forever. Yeah, I think, well, this is his second second all season. Well, yeah, I, I get I get what you mean, though, because he was hired after everything already happened. The season was damn near started before. Yeah. Um, yeah, so last year was his first off season that, that I give like full. And I do like what he what he did in the draft. I to be honest, man, I loved all the trades that he's made so far. Um thank you, Seattle. And right. uh, and to and to be real, I think that we're gonna really I think it all depends, man. If Zach is good or if who else, whoever they pick is good, none of this is gonna matter. None. You know, because no, nobody says anything. Kyle, they're happy with Kyler Murray. They got rid of Josh Rosen even quicker than than the Jets got rid. And you know what? They were actually able to get something for Sam. What did the Bears get for Mitchell Trubisky? A Dang. thank you note. Exactly. And now he's a backup. So, I mean, it, this is – I just hope that they surround this guy with talent. Um, I, unlike a lot of people, I think this is a really good draft. It's a really good draft at the spots that the Jets need. Uh, interior offensive line help, cornerback. Uh, they, they've kind of addressed some receiver. And, and the edge market in this um, – the edge prospects in this group, I think it's really top-heavy. And then it kind of tails off, and then guys become really one-dimensional. Um, but, yeah, I think that this is a good year. And then, you know what, guess what? They have 10 picks this year. And then the Jets have, what, five picks in the first 100 next year? Yeah. Next year they got yeah. two ones, ones two, two twos, twos. Uh, a four, couple of fives. No, no third. No. Yeah, I can I look think, at it again. I, I think they traded the third. Okay. Who they trade the third for? When, when was that? Ah, uh, I have to go back and look. I I, I skimmed it earlier because mm-hmm. somebody was talking about the amount of picks that they had in the first three rounds, and I was like, that number doesn't doesn't sound right. Yeah. So, so I, I went to go look at it, and I, I believe it, it's it was two two ones, two twos, and then they added the, the fourth, but didn't have a third. Mm, okay. All right. So, but either way, he has a lot of capital to either draft or to move around in the draft or to get a player. And so, yep. So the Jets have the Jets have two ones, two twos, a third, two fourths, two fifths. That's next season. Yep, next year in 2022 and three six. That's a lot. Yeah, the Jets have 22 total draft picks over the next two years. So this is going to be this is going to be Joe Douglas's defining moment. These next two years are gonna are gonna determine whether Joe Douglas gets an extension or if Joe Douglas is getting fired. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that that's pretty much it. 
The Jets, listen, man, the Jets have one. Do y'all hear this? One first round draft pick on the roster from the years 2011 to 2019. The Jets have one first round pick on this roster, on this current roster from 2011 to 2019, which is an absolute joke. And that one person after the Sam Darnold trade is now Quentin Williams, who I do feel is a keeper. But if you look at some of these Jets drafts in the years, in the years past, in this last decade, it, it has been atrocious. And that is the quickest way to be in the certain the spot that the Jets are in right now. I'm talking Muhammad Wilk. Even even though I was a big Mo Wilk fan, but it, it just it just didn't come together. I don't know what happened after Homeboy got paid. I think the Jets paid him super late, and that's kind of what made him you know disinterested. He kind of like you know lost his passion. But 2011, Mo Wilk. 2012, Quentin Copels. <laughs> it's just it's horrible, man. It's bad. Sheldon Richardson, 2013. D. Milner, 2013. Two first-round picks kind of down the drain, even though Will, uh, Richardson was really good. 2014, who was uh, 14? Calvin Pryor? He, was I think Pryor was 14. Mm. And then 15 was who? Well, I know 16 was Darren Lee. So it was pretty bad. Well, we say that to say it's been pretty bad. So... Hopefully Joe Douglas can get this right and get this turned around. He said he wants to build through the draft. You got 22 tries to do that. And I think that uh, some of the guys that we talked uh, that we're going to get into today, I think they're definitely going to be in in discussion for 23 and some of these guys, even 34. So I, I think that he's going to be, I think he's going to, I think he's going to maneuver a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he gets out of that 34th pick, depending on who's on the board. Yeah. I, I me. Mean... I feel like that as well, man. Like if you look at at the history of the people that he's come up under, your Howie Rosemans and and, and your Ozzie Newsoms, they didn't care about moving, man. They did not care, and we've seen we've seen that with him last year, like maneuvering out of the second, dropping down the second, and still getting mims. Like he's he's not scared. Um, and honestly, I I think after two. I think it's wide open. We know too for sure after that, it's a crapshoot as far as what he's going to do. And I, I I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he did something with 23 to be to be frank. So I wouldn't be mad at that either. Like in, in some of like the simulations I've ran, like um teams like the Bucks try to trade up to get like because I don't think they've signed Landon Fournette yet, right? No, they they got him. One year oh, deal. Really? Oh, how much? Uh, I want to say six million, maybe. Oh wow, that's a good deal for him. Yeah, he got one year. Shout the out only to one him. left is AB, and I, th- I think they're going to get that done. Yeah. I hope they get that done. I, I don't see him really going anywhere else. Nah, me either. So, yeah, I think they'll get that done. But yeah, yeah, maybe you you know you look at some of the teams at twenty three, and again, we just have to see how the draft shakes out because I like. I guess because guys have opted out and you weren't able to see these guys up close, all these different publications just had these guys ranked all over the place. So it, it's, it's actually good. And it's, um no, I would say that it's good because then you can really see uh, how our rankings line up and how some people who they're just all over. And um yeah, like, you know, like you look at some people, they have Basham in the twenties. You look at some people, they have him in the sixties. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and even some and even some of these tackle prospects and guard prospects, you know, I think I think it's a 
you're going to see a lot of preference here. And, you know, this is kind of good, too, because there's not I think a lot of the times with these rankings, it's, it's a lot of groupthink. People get all around in the same ecosystem and then they all just kind of start to say, you know, the different thing. I mean, I look no further than the QBs, even though we just touched on those guys last week. But, you know, uh, some of the guys that we're going to talk to here, um, you know, let, let's let's transition into that. Let's start with the um, you want to go first or, you, or I want to go first. We'll work inside out and we'll give our best. We'll give our top five and then we'll give the guys that we really like and we'll see who fits with the Jets better. Uh, we'll do uh, one through five or five through one, however you want to do it. Interior O-line. This is guard and center. Okay, so um, so I think um, I think that for me, man, the the number one, the number one thing that we need right now is interior line. Like there was all this talk of of Panay Sewell at two and blah 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 blah. And I was I was never ever you know part of that man um but i also like you said you know i oh, i lost my train of thought let me let me just start over with this so moving inside i really like elijah vera tucker okay um i think out of out of everybody you know, in the interior that's in the draft. I think he has the best feet. Um I think I think he's he's adept at, at the zone scheme. Um I just I just think he's probably the the maybe the best one for us to grab to 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 be real with you, if we're going uh interior. Um, I have him one. I have Landon Dickinson at two. Out of uh, out of Alabama. The the only thing I worry about him is that um, the red flags that he has with injury. Like a man that big who who has torn his ACL. I think he was, was at Florida State. Yeah, he was at Florida State. Yeah, he's a graduate transfer. Yeah. Um, and then he had the ankle injury. Um, then he tore his ACL again, I believe, was the SEC title game. Like he he has um he has had a lot of issues as far as as injury. But I think he's probably the most physical interior guy in the draft. So I, I like him. Um, my number three, man, and nobody really knew about him. He he's the darling of the uh of the Senior Bowl. Uh, Quinn Miners. Yep. From uh, uh Wisconsin. Whitewater. Yeah, Whitewater. Yeah, with Division three school, Division three powerhouse. Who gets Division one athletes? Yeah, like dude, he he was handling them the, the Division one guys yeah, in practice. Like he was, he was handling them, and three three twenty. Yeah, I, I I like him, man. I, I I really do. Um, number four, I got Wyatt Davis, Ohio State. Um, he he had what eleven, twelve pressures, I believe, last last season. A lot of them were unblocked guys, though. 
you know, like the, it, 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 if you just look at the raw numbers, it doesn't really tell the story. But um, he's 6'4", 315. He can handle three techniques like it's nobody business. And I, again, that's another guy I would not be would not be mad at us getting. And I think he's probably the best, you know, lineman when it comes to pass sets. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, especially if if we're going to be throwing the ball a lot, short, quick passes, I, I think he would would be great in, in, in the scheme. And um, who I have last, man? Uh, I'd probably go with Creed. Creed Humphrey out of uh, Oklahoma. I think he's been the most consistent center in the in the in the country last what two three years maybe. Um, I'd say so. And they've been they he's anchored that line who and they've had great offenses yeah. for years. And I, I read a stat where he's had um, over thirteen hundred pass blocking snaps, and he's only allowed twenty eight pressures. And and I, I you know I think that they're comfortable with with uh, McGovern at center, but I would not be bothered if they took this kid and moved Connor McGovern. Like it, this could be this could be your Nick Mango for the next ten years. And matter of fact, I I think it came out where he I read an article he's talking about that's who he studied. He studied Nick Mango because of his play style of play, his leadership, all of that. So again, would not be mad at, at, at Creed Humphrey. Uh, and I, I know I gave five and I, I give you my, uh, I give you my, my, uh, a six pick underdog. Well, not really underdog, maybe a, a, a dark horse. I like Trey Smith out of Tennessee. Yep, he's on my he's on my honorable mention guys to look at. That's that's the word I'm looking honorable mention. Trey Smith, love his size. Um, he had a you know he had a, a tough a tough little little season, um, but then I, I saw him against uh you know in the senior bowl practice. Um, he struggled a little bit. But it, it it still wouldn't deter me from from taking him, man. Because again, he's he's uh he has ability to move people, and he's nasty with it, and that's what you need up front: ability to move people and a nasty streak. So that's who I got. Good, good. I like your list. Um, I love it when. I, I want all my all my linemen to be assholes and to be nasty. I want them to be smart assholes. Uh, that's how I like my linemen. Uh, I'm gonna go from top, I'm gonna go from the bottom up. I'm gonna go from five to one. Five. I have Quinn Minus, UW Whitewater. Love this guy. I like when I, I like he has a chip on his shoulder. Small guy, small school guy. Showed up to the Senior Bowl week. Had himself a really good week. Everybody said that he made himself some money, which who, which I agree with. Excuse me. I think that he fits. I think that he'll fit good, and uh, in the zone block, in the zone blocking scheme, he can move well for his size. Gives you versatility. I think if you can get him in the top of the third round, I think that that's a home run. 
Yeah. To be honest. And I think, and all these guys that I'm talking to now, I, I like McGovern there. So everybody that I talk about now, they're either going to, I'm going to have them play guard. Okay. And, and now that every team is, is looking to pressure, to get pressure up in the QB's face, you have to fortify that middle. Soon we're going to get to a point in football, they're going to have to raise the cap because you're not going to be able to have any weak spots in the, in, in, in the lineup. So guards and centers, you're not going to be able to hide some, some, you know, seventh round pick that isn't really good there anymore. So I have Quinn Miners there and I would love to get him in the third round. I think that Quinn Miners, you can, I think that he could be a day one starter, especially at guard. If he doesn't at center, I think that it would take him a year, maybe two at guard. You could plug him in. If you plug him in, in between Becton and McGovern, I think that that would be a great, great pick for, uh, for a third round pick. Fourth, I have Landon Dickinson. I love this guy's size, 6'6", 325. He seems like he's a great guy because he was a graduate transfer. And everyone, I think he was an Outland Trophy winner. So he was yeah. the best, uh, yeah. So he was the best guy um, on that line. And and just like he was voted as a, as a captain, usually graduate transfers don't get voted in as captains. That means that he really went to Alabama and ingratiated himself and became a part of the the program and the culture there. So I do like that. He did have the ACL injury, so maybe you might be able to get him in the third round. And and to be real, we spoke about this too. I would love it if Joe Douglas would double up in the third round on, on linemen. So if he decided to go QB corner edge or QB edge corner, and then in the um, how, however variation of those three, and then you fortify the line with those two third round picks, I would love that. So Landon Dickinson is my guy. Alabama ran that man system, but I, you look at that size, you get 6'7", 360 on at left tackle. You get 6'6", 325 on the, at the guard, and then you put McGovern in there. I kind of like what, what you're doing with Landon Dickinson. And he's a center, so you know that he's smart. You know, he used to make um, checks at, at, the, at the line. He used to help Mac Jones out. So I really like uh, Landon Dickinson, and he plays with a mean streak, and he's a people mover, so I like that. Coming in at third, um, I have Creed Humphrey. I like Creed Humphrey, as you said, and you just gave a great stat. 1,300 snaps and what? How many pressures? 28. Yeah, 28 pressures. I mean, sign me up for that. Um, he Oklahoma's had some really, really good offenses over the last couple of years. They, put, they pushed out Heisman winners. They pushed out Heisman um, – <clears throat> excuse me. They pushed out Heisman Trophy finalists. And Creed Humphrey was a part of all that. So I, I, I love Creed Humphrey. He has a really good size for the position. He's coming in at 6'4", 3'12". Really good. Um, wingspan is 79 and a half. Arms a little, a little bit on the short end, but again, he's going to be working inside, so I'm not really mad about it. 31 and 3 quarter. So I really like Creed Humphrey. I think that he's a, uh, I think he's a, I think he's a second rounder. If you tell me that, you know, Creed Humphrey is getting paid, in the late second, early third, I think that that's that, that's the proper spot for him. I absolutely love Wyatt Davis. He's a big boy. He's a people mover. Six four, three twenty, um, moves really well. Did twenty five on the bench. Has long arms, and he played against top competition. He played in the Big Ten. I love Big Ten linemen. Uh, I, I love all of my linemen from that middle part of the uh, of the country. He's strong um, as hell. Yeah, he is. He's a big boy and he moves well too. I know that he um, and he's tough too because he played with um, a partially broken bone in his foot. So he's, you know that the dude is tough and he's going to show up because he played a lot for Ohio State. Number one, I have an ABT, Elijah Vera Tucker. I think that this guy, he can play tackle. I don't think you really want him at tackle, but he played left tackle uh, this year for USC. I think that um, his 
NFL position. His position going forward is going to be at guard, which he played in 2019 and played really well. I think that if you get Elijah Vera Tuck and you put him at right tackle, I think that he you'll have an uh, an average tackle and an average NFL right tackle, maybe above average right tackle, average left tackle. If you put him at guard, I think that he's going to have. I'm not going to say that he's Quentin Nelson. Maybe he'll have a Zach Martin type effect. I think that he'll probably be somewhere in between Zach Martin and and Quentin Nelson. I really love his game. He he moves people. He's he's a grown man that moves other grown men. And um, yeah, I, and I and I don't think that it's too rich for the Jets at 23. Now, I would hope that he's there at 34 because I would love to go cornerback or edge. But if if you tell me that that, that you draft a quarterback at two and then you want to protect him right up the middle with um, with Elijah Vera Tucker at 23, you could sign me up all day for that. And then just uh, two guys for honorable mention: Ben Cleveland, big boy. I think yeah. he's six four, three thirty. Big boy, Georgia, Georgia lineman. I love Georgia lineman. They always, they always produce. You look at Andrew Thomas. We all, I, I don't know. I'm gonna say we all. I was really big on Isaiah Wilson, but you know, again, you can't really. I didn't really know what was going on between the ears. Georgia has some good linemen. They put out, they run a pro style system, and and they always run the ball. So Ben Cleveland could be a guy that that, that they should target in the fourth or the fifth round. And then Trey Smith out of Tennessee. Love his game. Played against top competition. Multiple year starter. And and I think that he would work good in this in this motion offense that that uh, Lafleur is going to run. So I think I think that there's a lot of potential here, especially on the uh, on the interior. And I think that the Jets have to get the Jets. The Jets have to spend a premium pick, and by a premium, we'll say one to round three on an interior lineman. I think this is the year that they do. Man, I think Ben Cleveland is a genetic freak. Oh, absolutely! Like he's six six three three fifty four. But he ain't fat, dog. Like he, yeah. he looks like he he should be on uh, ESPN flipping tires and, and and whatnot on like the world's strongest man. Um, like I, I saw one thing about him, man, and I was like, Jesus Christ! He, this may have been two years ago, maybe three. He did uh, he did it two twenty five fifty times. Yeah, that's nuts. 50. That's absolutely nuts. And, and to be honest, I mean, I, I like I like my lineman 330 and up. Especially if you tell me that, you know, I, I know everybody says that, you know, to, to run a zone scheme, you need your lineman to be a little bit lighter. But you, you can't just you can't just pigeonhole everybody. He's 350 and he moves pretty well. Yeah, and I he's think he made a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. He made himself some money with that pro day. So and again, um, you know, I, we have Matt here with us now. So I was telling uh, I was telling some people I, I wouldn't be mad if Joe Douglas doubled up in the third round and went Lyman Lyman, you know if he wanted to secure if he, you know if he wanted to to get if he got Wilson if he got a corner edge and um, however you know however it goes with those first three picks I would I would love it if he doubled up on the offensive line. I, th- I think minimum you got to at least get two two starters uh, on the interior because I mean we, we look at it as right if if we pick up, pick up a guy like Creed we can always move McGovern to a more comfortable position at guard but there's absolutely I think at both guard positions especially with not bringing in Elfline we kind of forced our hand a little bit we we need to address the interior of the offensive line I think I've been saying for for I don't know a couple years now that that the edge position is always going to be the premier position uh, as far as defense and cornerback, right. That we can agree that those are the two, you know, important positions, but interior pressure is just becoming such a problem for quarterbacks. I mean, Tom Brady for his career has had an issue with interior pressure, 
they've always placed an emphasis on on building up the interior of the offensive line. So a quarterback's best friend is a run game and, and a good offensive line. And I think that the first thing we got to do, and like you guys said, we got we to at least minimum get one of these guys within the first three rounds. Premier pick, top three rounds. I, I love guys. I think Creed Humphrey is one of my favorite favorite players in the draft. I know they, they played them all around the uh, the offensive line. Wyatt Davis is, is a good one. I don't know if you mentioned him. I, I kind of jumped in late, but but what about Cosme? Did, have we discussed anything about him? Because I feel like he's just kind of going under the radar a little bit. No, no, I don't have Cosme as a guard. Cosme's a right tackle for me. So he's uh, I have him on my tackle list. We're just doing interior O-line. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I've been reading a little bit on him. Not, not too much. Cause again, I haven't, I don't, I don't even know if Texas had a pro day. I think they might've cause Ellen, Ellinger was thrown a little bit, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. I think yeah, uh, their pro day. He, he performed really well too. And uh, you know, yeah, he's a guy that's dedicated too, because I think he put on like 60 pounds. Oh, really? He showed up there. Boy, yeah, he put on, yeah, he's a, yeah. He's a big boy, man. I like him at right tackle. I think that he's a day one right tackle. And I think that he might even, what, that's what um, TK and I were talking about. Like, there's there's just so many, like like these prospects are all over the place. Yeah. So so it's gonna be good to see where these guys actually fall out because then next year we'll know who's who are the real you know draft guru quote unquote gurus and the real and the real scouts. Because awesome. I think this year, I think this year is like you really had to do your homework. You can't just get together at the combine like, oh hey, what do you think? There's not a lot of group thing going on, you know. Oh, absolutely. But I'm I'm just looking at. I'm looking at the top prospects by position, just like the offensive line group. It's just insane. You're yeah, going to be able insane. to get a guy like D- Dylan Raddins in, you know, the sec- top of the second round. And then I'm um, even looking further down here. You got, you know, obviously Eichenberg is kind of all over the place right now, but you got a guy like Walker Little who preseason, he was looked at as a potential first round pick. Mm-hmm. This guy's going to go in the third, fourth round, and he could easily plug and play at a, at a starting right tackle position. It's yeah. just crazy, yeah. the depth along the offensive line this year. And and it's a good year for the Jets, and, and including next year, to have as many picks as we do. Because you're going to be able to get premier players. That, that And I think Joe Douglas actually said it today. He's like, those top three rounds, you're looking to get starters. We're not looking for, you know, we're not yeah, looking not, yeah, it's not for Yeah, it's not for development or, you know, projects. Like, you have to, especially with this team now, especially after making the Sam trade. Like, you have to. So, um, what are, so for interior O-line, do you have any um, – any honorable mention guys, any sleepers that we should be talking about? So I from think, sleepers, I think you guys, covered, I think you guys I covered them all. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I, I think Trey Smith from Tennessee, he's, he's a, he's a big guy. He's six, yeah. six, what, six, six, three thirty, probably going to be three forty at the NFL level. I've seen him play a little bit. The SEC is tough, man. I mean, yeah. there's so, especially when you guys like what Bar- uh, Christian Barrymore, the D tackle from, from Alabama, you got to go against these guys. Every year, it seems like Alabama's reloading with defensive tackle talent. You know, Quinn and Williams, you know, two years ago, whatever. So I know Trey Smith has been around the bend a lot. I think he had a, a medical issue at one point, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure he had some sort of heart issue or something like that. I, I could be wrong. But Trey Smith is probably one of my favorite guys. Uh, you guys mentioned Ben Cleveland, who I think I've been talking about for a little bit now. Like you said, I think Georgia, Georgia players – I was high on Andrew Thomas last year at tackle. I mean, obviously, I think we're all happy with the way it turned out. But Andrew Thomas was my tackle one at one point, which is – you know, it's kind of embarrassing to say. But Georgia guys, for whatever reason, seem to work out pretty well, with the exception of Isaiah Wilson, who just obviously doesn't get it. Um, Eichenberg, one of my favorite guys. But as far as the interior, I think Landon D- uh, Dickerson's probably – one of my favorites, but you know, I think I, I see a lot of these guys are all over the place. You know, CBS has Dickerson ranked as the 102nd prospect. I see other places where he's a, he's a, he's potentially back into the first round, top end of the second round guys. So it's just, I think it's hard to really get a read because everyone, 
everyone is going to evaluate these guys differently. And I think the one thing that we got to remember is Joe Douglas is he, he likes those. He's good at scouting the offensive linemen. And we saw it last year, you know, obviously yeah, Cam Clark is yet to be seen, but outside of that, I mean, if, if, if Douglas is as good at scouting these offensive linemen and, and he can somehow, you know, assess the depth in the draft, we're looking at potentially two more starters. Like, like we said, easily. Yeah. I mean, me, I can see it. Um, so yeah, so yeah, let's get right into the um, to the to the tackles. Oh, this um, is going to be good. Yeah, yeah. So who wants to, Matt? Do you have your tackles? We'll let you start off if you have your tackles. Uh, yeah, I, I guess yeah, I can go too. I can go too. Whoever's not ready, it doesn't matter. Uh, I feel like mine are a little over the. We're, we're just starting in general tackles, right? Not just left tackle. I mean, right. I, well, yeah, we were going to rank them. However, you guys had them. Like I had rankings in here too. So hmm. uh, TK, you have your rankings. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So we'll go, we'll go, um, we'll go five down to to the rankings. Okay. So um, I'll kick it off with, um, and before I, I go through my list, I think you know what, what we're gonna say by the time we reach the end of the tackle list will surprise a lot of people. Um, but number five for me. Ah, uh, Tevin, Tevin Jenkins, um, and he he moved up like he shot up to you know for me. Um, honestly, he he probably could have been number four, but I I have I have Tevin Jenkins at number five, and honestly, Omar, you probably the biggest reason why. Like three weeks ago, you you sent us. Links like, man, have you watched tape of Tevin Jenkins? You, you need to watch Tevin. You need to watch Tevin. I finally sat down and watched Tevin. I was like, God damn, man, I, I've been missing this dude. You know? Um, really solid guy, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, dude is, uh, his nasty. I think he might be the nastiest one in, in the draft, man. His nastiness level is just absurd. Like, like Thanos level nastiness. When when you watch him play, and then you see him off the field, he looks like he's twelve, yeah. which which throws me off. You know, like he looks like the nicest little kid from from next door that you watch grow up, and you put him on the field, he's a serial killer. That's you know, but but he man, he moves people like like it's nobody's business, and and I I really really do love that about him, man. Um, but he's he's five. My my number my number four I would have to go with um I like Jalen Mayfield. Out of, out of out of Michigan. I, I I see you grimacing, Matt, but I, I I like that was pretty bad. I like I like Jalen Mayfield, man. Um I, I I think he gets dinged because of his lack of you know a lot of playing experience, but I think his he has like this potential man untapped potential that that will get him I believe honestly in in the first round man um, he's got great bursts he he's a he's a great athlete in my opinion and he's gonna play until the whistle is blown so I do like. I like his size, 6'5", 320. I think he might add another 10, maybe 15 pounds. Uh, but I, I do like 
I do like him. Um, my number three, the the next Highway seventy seven, Christian Darisaw, Virginia Tech. I think I think he's a little small. Was like three fifteen, six four six six five three fifteen. He too, you know, put on put on some. Uh, yeah, six four three fourteen, and I think these are all numbers from their pro day. Yeah, um, I I I like him. The one thing I liked about him, man, was was seeing how he adjusts to the counter moves of, of pass rushers. Like he <clears throat> he 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 handled skill edge rushers pretty well, in my opinion. Um, he might be best served as a run blocker, more so than than the pass game. But again, when you got this type of offense that's predicated on quick passes and things like that, you know, it, it wouldn't be a problem at all. Um, but he's good in, on, on, on um, outside run schemes. And um, I, I, I like him, man. Like, I, I think, I think he's, uh, he's definitely a, a, a great find. Um, Number two for me, Pinesul, Oregon. Um, and I, I know he's he's the consensus number one. Uh, we saw the ridiculousness of drafting him at number two from the fan base week in week out. But uh, I think he, he's he's my number two. He has uh. He has a, a great level of physicality and he shows his dominance. Um, I think he's probably the best one in his own scheme out of all the tackles that we'll talk about. Um, he jumps off the screen at you, man, but I just, I don't know. Like, I, I just didn't really buy into all the hype that, that everybody's been displaying, especially after um, listen to you guys talk about my number one guy and really sitting down and watching him and uh, who I got at, at number one out of Northwestern, Mr. Rashawn Slater. I think out of all the tackles, he has the best feet. I think he's uh, best one in pass sets. I think that I think he's probably the cleanest and most technically sound out of all of them. And I think he's probably the most consistent out of all of them. Um, this, if people really want to see, you know, him at work, check him out, his film for 2019 and how he handled Chase Young, defensive rookie of the year this year in the NFL. Um, and he played he played uh left tackle in two, 2019 i think he opt, before opting out for this past year but he he had uh 355 pass blocking snaps at left tackle and he only gave up five pressures and this is after 2 years of starting at right tackle so like definitely a day one plug and play uh, if if he's sitting there at twenty three, like you have to do it. I think you have to. 
Um, yeah, that's but that's that's my that's my top five. Um, honorable mention. I like dealing rat news out of North Dakota State. Matt, you you mentioned him earlier. I also like, um, and it's crazy, but you can actually throw Elijah Vera Tucker on this list as well. Um, but again, you know, we we do agree that we see him kicking inside. And Samuel Cos- Cosme was another one that that you mentioned, Matt. And as a Notre Dame fan, Liam Eikenberg is also on my list. So that's who I got. Not a bad list. Not a bad list. Uh, Matt, you want to go? And yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think I think a lot of all three of us kind of the, the beauty of this is we can all have you know a differing list. We can we can have guys that are ranked differently. I think we all kind of have the same general guys, but maybe in a different order or whatever. I actually have Liam Eikenberg ranked as my fifth tackle. Um, I think he's he's a prototypical right tackle. I think if he's he's kind of all over the place right now as far as where they're looking to to potentially get him. Uh, or, you know, mock him in a draft or something like that. But I think Eichenberg, he's he's a clean prospect. I think he's kind of one of the more safe guys. I think that that when you watch him play, he, he doesn't have that mean streak that a Tevin, Tevin Jenkins has. But I think that, you know, overall he, he has, you know, a quality kick set. He, he gets it, you know, he digs into his defender well with his hands, uses his hands well, you know, chops down, you know, defensive uh you know pass rush moves and, and whatnot but I, I think I think if I had to put him anywhere I think that he does you know slip into the back end of the first round for a team that you know can't believe that he's there or something like that but he's a senior he's six six three oh two so a little bit on the light side has has some potential to put on I would say 20 20 25 pounds or so but I, I think Eichenberg would be uh my, my fifth tackle if uh the draft started today uh, moving to four, I got uh, Darisol. I think Ty- Ty- uh, Tyron already said. Um, or I'm sorry, Tyrus already said uh, everything that there is to really say about him. I think he does have a little bit of a mean streak, but I think he's more of a, a, a run-oriented tackle. I don't think he's gonna he's gonna be that that prototypical uh, you know left tackle. I think he's probably gonna stay on the right side. Uh, six five three fifteen still has room to grow. Um, nothing, nothing crazy. I think the ACC doesn't have a terrible amount of pass rushers, so not not a lot to really test them outside of I would say the Miami boys. Um, three, I got Tevin. I think he's the meanest. And the Pittsburgh boys too. Yeah, well, you know, they, they don't look too good against some of the other tackles, but uh, yeah, I, I guess. But uh, I would put Tevin at three. I think uh, easily you you plug and play him. If he's there at twenty three, you run the card up. He's the meanest guy in this draft. He looks like he's five, but he's he's the meanest tackle in this draft. Uh, I was watching film breakdown of him on on you know YouTube, and uh, he finishes plays. I mean, I, I can't I, I can't even count on both hands how many times I saw him driving his defender into the bench. It's 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 absolutely crazy, and the fact that he looks like he's two years old is just you know, amazing nonetheless. And his workout was just phenomenal as well. I think that, you know, one of the things that maybe a lot of people might not see as far as Tevin's concerned is if you go and you watch his tape, he literally gets into his kick set on passing plays right as the ball is snapped. Like it's almost simultaneous. There's not anyone faster in college which if you really think about it, you can have a guy like, let's say, Von Miller, who has one of the fastest first steps in the NFL. If you got a tackle that's beaten, beaten the, the, the defender across from him into position, he's never going to lose a one-on-one unless obviously, you know, obviously they're, you know, 
certain instances where where a pass rusher could beat a guy, but I, I don't think there's a player in college that has a faster first step and gets into position quicker than Tevin. I think that he's easily, especially for the Jets, where it's like, you know, Fant's great, but but Tevin is just an instant upgrade. So without a doubt, if he's there at 23, funny enough, he's actually ranked the 23rd overall prospect per CBS. I, I would I would have no issue with taking him taking him at 23. Would you move um, him inside? You can move Fant. him inside. You can you could definitely you oh Fan or, or Tevin. Would like would you take would you take Tevin if he's there and move him inside next? I to think Fant? I would move Fan in, inside before I move Tevin. Honestly, I th- I think that Tevin's first step is just it, it nullifies a lot of pass rushers. I think the fact that he's moving as the ball is being snapped. When a lot of players, there's that little bit of a lag between the ball snapping and them taking their first step. I think that you can't really teach that. It's just, it's just a, it's freakish. It's obviously it's not a physical attribute, but it's, it's just insane how fast he gets into his into his sets. But uh, yeah, I, I would put Tevin at, at, as the third tackle. Um, and then I think we, I think you know, me and Tyrus agree on this, but I got I got Sewell at two. I think. And it's not to take away. I think that you can't go wrong with either of them. I really do. I think Sewell is definitely a little bit bigger. He's, he has 15 pounds or, or so on Slater, I believe. Um, but, you know, I, I think the thing is, is that we can only go on the tape from 2019 because both of them sat out. So when I watch the tape from, from 19 and, and I see Sewell, he's, he's dominant. I think in, he, he gets out even on screen plays and he's out in front of the men and, and he's bulldozing people and he makes his presence known. He, he really pummels these guys. Maybe because he's getting out there and he's knocking safeties on their ass. I don't know. But there's no doubt that, I, that, that he'll be good and, and CBS has him ranked as the fourth overall prospect. But I, I think he's been riding this hype train since 19 where – there's still, in, in my opinion, Slater still is, is the more clean prospect, the guy that, that you can plug in and, and he's just going to literally slot in a left tackle and you're not going to have to worry about it for 10 years. Not saying Sewell won't do that, but I, I just think that, that if I, it, it's not as close as some people may think, but maybe it is. I, 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 I don't know. But, but Sewell would be my tackle number two. I think he's, he's going to be dominant at the next level. There's no doubt in my mind. And any team getting him, he's going to be a top 10, top 12 pick. So there's not much more to say about him. And then Slater, I think all I really needed to, needed to see with him was him go against Chase Young. The way he just manhandled him, the, the way that I – you were talking about the, the defensive rookie of the year. So Slater is easily my number one tackle. I, I think that he does such a good job of, of using his hands. And, and even when he is in a position where he potentially is getting beat, you know, or, or someone's strong arming him to the outside, or I'm sorry, back into the inside, he, he's able to still like position his body weight, use his hands to, to, to chop off the defenseman. So he's just an impressive prospect. And, and if I'm any team, especially, you know, a team like Carolina, and, and if he does somehow slide to the Jets at 23, that would be amazing. But if I'm a team like Carolina, I'm running the card up there at, at pick eight and, and taking Slater and never worrying about my left tackle position again. Yep, that's a good list. Um, all right, so I have a tie for five. I have Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan, and I have Sam Cosme out of Texas. I like Cosme. I think that he's a day one white tackle. Just by his build, he's 6'6", 315. Um, like, like I said, he started, like he showed up on campus. I think he only weighed like 240 or something like that. So he's definitely been committed in the weight room. And, and I just think that he, he's a three-year starter. 
And for Texas, who Texas, you know, they haven't been great, you know, the Texas of old, but they still play a pretty tough schedule and they still play top competition. So I definitely like Cosme. I think that that's a second round pick or a third round pick. And that's, and you could plug him in day one. Jalen Mayfield, um, I like him. I, I don't love him. I think that he's probably going to be better suited for the inside. I kept him on my tackle list only because he's he's going to get picked and he's going to be a, a right tackle from some team probably in the second round. But I even saw Jalen Mayfield going as high as the as the bottom of the first. I kind of I like him. Number four, I have Tevin Jenkins, and I and I've been I've when I've done uh, simulators where I don't trade out of twenty three. Tevin Jenkins is usually kind of like the guy that I go to when my favorite corners are gone. Or if I see that my edge guys will probably be there at 34. I like Tevin Jenkins because, uh, Matt, I'm going to disagree. I wouldn't move Fant from right tackle. I think that he's – I think I think if you're going to move Fant, you're going to release him. He's either a tackle or – because he's already, you know, learning how to be a tackle. So it doesn't make sense to, to kick him inside to guard. Uh, right. When you can do that with the younger Jenkins, who's probably more athletic and has been playing the game longer and can probably make that shift really easily. So Tevin Jenkins, he has um, – he has experience on the right side and the left side. Went against some decent pass rushers um, playing for uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, did pretty good against Joseph Asai, even though that was Asai's best game. A lot of that work wasn't done against Tevin Jenkins. And um, Tevin Jenkins, like, like we all said, you know, I'll just add on to it. He just, he's, just, he's just nasty. He put on the tape and he's always finishing blocks. I love watching his tape. Three, I have Christian Darashaw. Did pretty well against, against the Miami boys, you know, um, I think he gave up a sack to Jalen Phillips, but that that's not, you know, that that's nothing to um, to be embarrassed about. Jalen Phillips is edge one for me. I really like I like Darisha. I think that he's a day one starter as well too. Well put together. I think that he just needs to. Um, sometimes his feet and his upper body don't really work in conjunction with each other. I think that he's going to have to work on his footwork. I think the coach that's going to get him in there, he's going to have to get a little bit stronger too. Um, but I think that I think that he's going to be a solid prospect. I know a lot of people are down on him, but I think that you could do a lot worse than Christian Darashaw. At two, and I've been saying this for for the longest. I have Penny Sewell here. Um, I think that he's uh, you know the thing about Penny Sewell is he's six six. He's three thirty. He moves so well. You can tell that he's athletic. He gets out on screens um, when he's pulling. He he gets out. He's finishing blocks down. You know, he's crushing DBs. So that's all well and good to see. But with a guy like his size, and granted, I, I'm I'm pretty sure, you know, since he started playing football, he's been the biggest, baddest dude on the field. So sometimes he does get bored. I've seen him just let guys off the hook. Um, I, I don't want any free passes from my lineman, especially if you, if people are talking about you being, like I saw his comp being Trent Williams. And he does have, I remember Trent Williams was super athletic for a left for a left tackle. So he does have the athleticism to have that comp. But he doesn't finish blocks enough for me. He doesn't have a mean streak. He's really good because he's so athletic and he's so long in his pass pro. So a lot of the times guys don't even get into him because he's beating them to the spot and then he's keeping you away with his arm length. Um, and uh, he could. Uh, my biggest thing with him, he just doesn't finish. He just he doesn't finish blocks well uh, during run blocking. And you have to be a good run blocker in this league. When he gets to the second level, he's not finishing as well too. So I think that if he goes to the right system, I think that you're going to plug him in at left tackle day one. He's going to have his. Uh, he's going to have his. You know, he's going to have his ups and downs and his hiccups. But I think that you're you're not going to have to worry about Penny Sewell for the longest. The reason that I have Rashawn Slater over him is it's simple technique. 
functional playing strength and and finishing blocks. And we've already seen him do it against premier talent. So I've been saying this for, for, for the longest. I think I've said this before, like Daniel Jeremiah and certain guys started putting him in there. Now he's trained, uh, Rashawn Slater's training down there with Duke Mannyweather. My only knock on Rashawn Slater is that he has short arms. So some teams are actually viewing him as a guard to, to kick him inside. But I think I think he could play left tackle in this league. And I think I think he play left tackle in this league. And I think if you put him at right tackle, you're going to have a superstar at right tackle. I think uh, Rashawn Slater is probably probably the cleanest prospect in this draft, I would say. Definitely the cleanest offensive tackle uh, prospect. I think the only thing you have to worry about is short arms. And you know what they, you know, they used to say, what well, they said that Brandon Scherf had short arms. They say a lot of guys have shorter arms. But uh, if you play with a solid base, you have good technique, you can get over some of the physical uh, deficiencies that you have. So I have it as Mayfield, Cosme tied for five, Jenkins at four, Dashore at three, Sewell and Slate around at my top five. And for honorable mentions, I have quite a few guys that I want to touch on. Uh, the BYU team is a lot better. This this isn't your dad's BYU team. I love Brady Christensen, three time starter. He was he was Zach Wilson's blindside protector. Uh, great kid. And I think that you can probably get Brady Christensen maybe in the fourth round and you got yourself a starting tackle. 6'5", 302, so he's going to have to put on some weight. Uh, arm length is, is a little bit shorter than what you really love, so he might end up being a – he'll definitely be a right tackle. But but I, I like it. I like it. I think that um, – excuse me. He doesn't really bend well, so he's going to have to he's, he's going to have to work on that a little bit. But, again, for your right tackle, I think that you'll be able to get away with that. Another guy I like is James Hudson from Cincinnati. I think that he's going to be a really solid prospect that a lot of people don't know about. I also have Oliver Jackson, guy I really love out of why am I, uh, out of Missouri. Oh, I thought I, is it Iowa or is it Missouri? Uh, Iowa. One second, Iowa, right? Yeah, yeah, Iowa. Okay, Iowa, Iowa. And we all know that Iowa linemen are always good. And then uh, Deontay Smith out of East Carolina. I think that he's going to be a sleeper. You can probably get him in the fourth, fifth round. Now, he's going to have to put on some weight because he's 6'5", 6'6", 294. That's not going to cut it, so he's going to have to put on like 15 pounds. But he uh, he has 35 and a quarter arms, and he's in, he's he's super athletic. And if you watch during the Senior Bowl, he actually held his own against some of the premier um, some of the premier edge rushers. Now we didn't we didn't talk about Alex Leatherwood, who some people have as a first rounder. I don't think Alex Leatherwood is a first rounder. I don't I don't even think Alex Leatherwood is going to be a tackle in this league. I think that he has slow feet, and to protect him, but he he's, he he has slow feet, and he doesn't get to the edge as quickly as he should. So I think that Alex Leatherwood, I think that he'll be a really good guard. So I, I, I love him. I, and to be honest, the only Alabama lineman that I really like, and you guys could, could jump in here, is Landon Dickinson. I think Deontay Brown, he's going to have to go to the right situation or he's going to get exposed. And I think the same thing is going to be said with Alex Leatherwood. You know, we've seen like, you know, really hyped up Alabama linemen just not pan out in the NFL. You guys remember Cyrus Quanja? What about Chance Warmack? Yes. That he was, was, that he was, was supposed to be the next Steve Hutchinson. Yep. Yeah, and I just remember Cyrus Cronjo was like the highest rated 24-7 uh, high school prospect ever coming out of high school. Yep. And he basically, yeah, yeah, he um, he crapped out after a few seasons in Buffalo. I think that Leatherwood should be taken mid-second 
Like it, like if the Jets picked him, if the Jets traded back at 34 and they ended up, at, we'll just say 52, and they picked Leatherwood, I wouldn't be mad at that. Uh, you, you get that size in there. You, he's, uh, we got Mount Becton over there, 6'7", 360. Leatherwood is 6'6", 320. I, I like that. Just beefing up the front. I'm not mad at that at all. So so those are those are my tackles. I think that this is a strong, a really strong group. And I think that the Jets have to come away with with at least one. Because we don't know how they view what they're going to do with Idoga. Because we already said that they should probably kick Idoga inside. And we don't really know what, what Clem, uh, Cam Clark has showed. So maybe you could plug him in. But you definitely have to get one, a, a one impact starter at least. I would love two, but I'll settle for one. Mm-hmm. I think quickly, just getting back to the Leatherwood thing, I think it's important to just – it's not that we don't think he can play at the NFL level. I think when, when you play – first of all, when you play in college, you can get away with a lot of stuff. You can get away with the slow feet. You can get away with bad technique, poor technique, just on sheer athletic ability. In the NFL, you got guys that – you know, edge guys that have refined technique, like the guy, the Boses and the Cleo Max of the world, where their technique is just – it's just so good that it takes over. Leatherwood, I think, you know, at, at the, the senior bowl, he was just getting bullied no matter where they put him. So I think it's important to understand that Leatherwood played on such a good team that it masked his deficiencies on the offensive line. It really did. He was playing next to Deontay Brown, who got away with a lot of stuff just on sheer athletic ability. Landon Dickerson, they're all on that line together, and they're all we're, all talk, we're talking about them being top three-round picks. So – it's not that Leatherwood can't play at the NFL level. It's just that I think when you really, when they finally isolated him at the senior bowl, they really isolated him to, and put him against the best of the best at the senior bowl, the Bashams of the world, the, the pit guys, uh, you know, uh, Quincy Roche, you know, all these guys, he, he got exposed because he, a lot of, a lot of his success, or I'm sorry, a lot of his deficiencies were masked by the fact that he played on such a dominant team that had so many weapons, had, had a quarterback that was getting, the, you know, completing 77% of his passes quickly to his to three first round uh, wide receivers. So I think that, uh, you know, when you look across that Alabama line, it's not that, you know, all Alabama play, all Alabama offensive linemen don't pan out. It's just that they can mask a lot of deficiencies just by the talent that they have on that team. And I, I think Leatherwood was a, was a beneficiary of that uh, along with Deontay if I'm being honest and I, and like you guys, like, like Amari said, I don't, I don't have a problem if they take them in the second, you know, late in the second round, third round, whatever, but it, it, in, in my book and I'm, you know, Amari's book and I'm sure Tyrus is, he's not a first round pick. He's a fringe back end of the second for me. He's a little too grabby. Like, you know, um, again, I, and, and I think a lot of it and you, both you guys touched on is just, it was because of who he was around on that line. But I mean, he, he, he was an outland trophy winner and, and, and all of that. Um, but I mean, his, his, if his athleticism was much higher, like I would have him first round, but I, I don't think he has, you know, NFL athleticism and some of it could be changed, you know, um, Technique could be improved and all of that will help him, but nah, I, I don't have him first round. I wouldn't be shocked if somebody took him because of the the name, because of the lore, because of the 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 trophy went, you know, Allen Trophy and all of that. But I, I just don't. Back into the second, if we grab him, I would love that. But as of right now, nah. Yeah, I don't, I don't like when guys um, – technique can be corrected, but a lot of the times when, when you're too grabby, like TK said, 
can't really, you know, he has slow feet. I just think he screams guard to me. And there's nothing wrong with that. But my, I, I was, I was real. I don't know about you. I was really shocked at how he looked. I expect Quincy Roche to beat a lot of tackles to the edge. I don't expect you to get beat. You can't get beat inside. So he overstepped a lot. It, it just wasn't a good, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good situation for him or Deontay Brown. And then like we saw one of the worst things when Brown was out there on that screen. It looked pretty bad. So I think, uh, yeah, that some teams might ask Brown to to, uh, to lean out a little bit. He's going to have to. Yeah. I mean, he could go to a man-blocking scheme, but with all these teams going to RPOs and a lot of the motion going on, I think that you're not going to see, unless you're like, you know, anomalies like Becton and, and you know, Trent Williams and stuff like that, you're not going to start, you're not going to see guys that are 350 plus that can't move. Like, if you're going to be that big, like they're going to ask you to move. Like, Ben Cleveland, they may not ask him to lose any weight. Deontay Brown, they'll probably ask him to 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 lose some weight. And that'll be fine, because, you know, like like that, it's all about finding players' strengths and putting them in positions to win. Mm-hmm. So. And, you, and you can have you can have a guy like like you guys spoke about, like uh, Vera Tucker, who is a, is a really good tackle, you know, in college. But we can take them from that tackle position and turn them into an all-pro guard. And there's nothing wrong with that. Leatherwood very well could, you know, refine his technique, get, you know, become less grabby, which, you know, obviously doesn't really translate to the end. Like a lot of times if you have a penalty issue in college or you're really grabby, it doesn't really go away. It kind of follows you, unfortunately. But Leatherwood could easily go from a good college tackle to a great NFL guard. And there's no problem with that. But good teams and good scouting, you know, is able to, to assess that and see like, Hey, listen, right off the bat, we saw, you know, we, we saw you in college doing this, but, but we really think you would, you would benefit our team and, and you personally in your career would benefit more from a move inside, you know, lean out a little bit or put on a little bit more weight, depending on who you are. And and now we're talking all pro, all pro Elijah Vera Tucker at, at guard instead of being a really good, and I think we all agree, he'll, he would be a fine right tackle. But for a team like us, you bump him in, you put him at left guard with Beckton on that side, you don't worry about the left side of your, you, you, we were already trying to run to the left side all the time. Now, now you solidify it and you always are running to the left side. Teams are going to know that and they're still not going to be able to do anything. Same thing when uh, the Colts had, uh, what, Quentin Nelson and Costanzo uh, or whatever. Yeah. I think he retired, but they always ran to that side. Why? Why did Jonathan Taylor have success? Because they had two big guys that are all pros that they knew they could do. They, every team knew what was happening, but they still were able to do it. The Jets can do that, especially if they get a guy like Barrett Tucker or one of these guys that were mention, mentioning and put him on that left side with Beckton. Yeah, I would absolutely love it. I would love it. And I think, honestly, I think um, we could see Indianapolis trying to move up. If Slater gets out of the top 10, Indianapolis is going to move up. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think that there was. I saw a bunch of reports too saying that there are teams that have Slater as their number one, their number one tackle, and I, and I would not be surprised at all. I would not be surprised. I I, I would bank get, on the thing. if you get over. If you, I wouldn't be surprised if if um if Carolina went with him. If, well, if exactly. you get over the you know the, the quote unquote short arms because because good technique, you can negate a lot of that. Now, granted, if Miles Garrett puts his wrong arm you and puts his arm into your chest and has his free hand and works half the man, he's probably going to win most of the time. Miles Garrett does not do any people on this earth walking that can do what Miles Garrett can do. Mm. But, you know, it's good to have long arms for a reason. But if you can beat somebody to the spot, you can wall them off, and you have that play strength, 
you can stonewall guys. And, and that's, you know, and that's just, and, that, and that's just that. I really just love his game. I think he's really clean. And I think his technique is really sound. So that's just how I feel about it. I think good technique can make up for physical deficiencies without a doubt. I think we all agree that agree on that. If you have a good kick step, if you have a, f- a fast first step, if you're engaging the defensive lineman before they before they strong arm you or start their their pass rush move, you can easily easily you know negate that whole short arm you know idea or whatever we want to call it. I think that, you know, and, and we talked about this with the quarterbacks, like everyone's nitpicking these little things. And I understand that's the, you know, we are talking about offensive line where arm length is kind of a little more of an important, you know, aspect. But I think out of all, all the tackles, if there was one tackle I had to choose to have short arms would have the best technique, it would be Slater. Why? Because I think he's the best tackle in the draft. So I'm okay with it. I have no problem with it. And I, I don't see him getting out of the top 10, unfortunately, but if he did, I'm I'm all in on trying to figure out a way to get him. I have no problem with it. Man, uh, IQ, football IQ, acumen, um, and technique really, you know, usurps all, man. Like, the greatest wide receiver to ever play the game, he wasn't the most athletic, the fastest guy on the field. But his his IQ, his work ethic, his uh, route running ability, his technique – was light years ahead of everybody trying to stop him. So I agree. Like, I'm not worried about the short arm thing. If he's some somehow sitting there at 23, then you run the card up. You 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 sprint up there. You you hire Usain Bolt to run that that card up there. You get it up there as fast as you can and you don't look back. I think if Rashawn Slater makes it past 16. You really think about moving up. Yeah, Joe Douglas. Uh, he sends Seattle's pick from oh, next year. Absolutely, you or, got the pick. Yeah, yeah, he sends Seattle's pick from next year. He moves up from twenty three to sixteen. Who's picking sixteen? I know Pat's at fifteen. Um, the Washington football team, maybe. I thought they were twenty. I uh, I don't know the draft order. Chargers, LA Chargers are thirteen. Yeah, but I could see. I, I just don't. I just don't see any way that he makes it past that because I could see the Chargers taking him. I could see the Giants taking him. Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah. Oh, I could see somehow doing something because they yeah, just got rid of all that tackles. Yeah, I could see the Cardinals. You got to protect little Kyler back there. I, I could see them taking. I could see them taking uh, a Slater. Uh, I, I think it's yeah. also. I think it's important too for for fans out there to understand that we all know that that. Offense alignment is not the sexiest pick. We all know that because it, it's not. You're, you're picking a guy that that you hope you don't hear his name called during the game because if you hear his name called, it's probably for a penalty. So you're always hoping you don't hear his name. So we know it's not the sexy pick, but look at look at what Dallas did. And obviously I know they didn't win the Super Bowl with that offensive line, but that offensive line was built over the course of drafts. They got Frederick in the first round, Martin in the first round, Tyron Smith in the first round. They got Lyle Collins as a free agent, and, and I forget, and, and Looney and whoever else was on the right side. We understand it's not a sexy pick, but we're going to have a rookie quarterback coming in that you don't want to get planted on his ass every play, a la look at the step Wentz took back just because he got planted on his ass. Look at Josh Rosen failing his first year, right, because he had the worst offensive line in the NFL. So it's not the sexiest pick, but if you walk away with two interior offensive linemen that you can plug and play and not worry about, you were, we're looking at the 2009-2010 Jets over there where, where we, we had a rookie quarterback and we had a great running game 
And he wasn't getting – yeah, I mean, he made questionable decisions as a quarterback, but at least he had time to make those decisions. So I, I have no problem taking the two interior offensive linemen in the first three rounds. And it's not the sexiest pick, but it'll solve a hell of a – it'll elevate the talent around by giving them – giving the quarterback more time in the pocket, giving the wide receivers to run longer developing routes, especially with LaFleur's, you know, offense, the Shanahan offense. They, they got some, you know, deep crossing routes, some 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 over-the-middle stuff. So it, not everything's short and whatever, like Gase was doing with bubble screens and stuff like that. Some of these routes are going to take time to develop. And if that means we got to take offensive linemen just to make sure that we have time for whoever the quarterback, you know, maybe presumably Wilson – then, then you just do it. It's not sexy. It's not what Jets fans might want. You, you all might want the Rashad Batemans, and I love Rashad Bateman. I love the wide receiver class this year. But, but if you told me I can get get an All Pro or you know an Elijah Vera Tucker who who I don't have to worry about, I put on the left side and not have to worry about him, I'd take that over anything. I really would. Yeah, I'm. Listen, you already know I'm all. I'm I'm totally fine with them going O line twenty three. I'm totally fine with them going O line at thirty four because I think that when we get to the wide receivers, there's going to be some guys that are picked in the third and fourth round. They're going to be starters and they're going to outproduce guys. Some of your favorite receivers. Watch, I'm telling you. So I I, I love it. I love. I, I you know we we talked about the trade before before you hopped on. I think that this is going to give Joe Douglas some extra ammo. Jets have 22 picks over the next two drafts. So I think that this is going to be where the Jets make their steps forward and make their strides. And to, to be honest, man, I just think you just have to infuse. You just have to infuse as much good talent, as good football talent on this roster as possible. All right, And this year, I gave him a pass for last year. I don't want to see any projects you know, projects are upside guys. I want a good football player in rounds one through three. I don't want to hear like I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear about these guys who you know we loved his game, we loved his upside on what he could potentially be. I want guys that are going to come in and, and at least at worst be backups and like rotational pieces. You right? don't want so, another James Morgan pick. That was in the fourth round. Right now. Well, yeah, no, no, you're right. I'm, I'm just saying any round period. Yeah. No, no, you can you can do shit like that in like the fifth round. I don't want to see that in the first four rounds. The first four rounds, I want to start in round one, obviously. I want to start in round two, and I want to start in round three. Mm-hmm. Um, and two starters in round three because there's two picks. Yeah. So yeah. depending on how the draft falls out, like, th- like there's going to be starters littered all over this draft. And I know I said that last year, but especially the Jets are lucky because there's a lot of cornerback talent. There's marginal edge talent, but there's a lot of offensive line talent. I could clearly, I could easily see them picking three linemen in the first, in the first four rounds. And I'd totally be okay with it because you have to just, I think at certain spots, you just, oh, you should always be funneling talent on the offensive and defensive line. Guys get hurt and you want to develop guys and you're not going to be able to pay everybody. So, you know, like that, that's, that, that's just how it's going to have to get done. And I, and I think that Joe Douglas is going to do it because um, I, I won't, I won't bet. Like he's, he's done good in my eyes in the, in the O-line uh, talent pool so far. And if Cam Clark actually turns into a starter, then I would really support anything that he does as far as O-linemen are concerned. And there's no reason to believe that Clark won't turn into that because he was a left tackle and he was voted MVP of his team. So maybe, you know, he plays left guard and they make that happen right then. And next thing you know, we only need a what? You get Elijah Vera Tucker at twenty three, yeah. or at thirty, yeah, or at thirty four. You um, you know, you pick a Sam Cosme or or whoever that you like at at thirty four. You release George uh, George Fant, and then that what that uh, frees up what nine million bucks? Almost ten. Yep. Ten. Ten point one, I think. Yep. 
So, you know, and you talk about that plus Sam. So low key, he's, he could free up another 20 million. Or close to it. So my, my quick question, I, I just want to, want to ask, how would you, it, how would you rank last year's tackle class? The top four, let's say. So the Beckton, the Werfs, Thomas and Wills against our top four, top five in this class. I'm just kind of curious because because I, I really do, and I think it's important to you know obviously hindsight's a little 2020, right? Because we can look back and be like, well, Werfs is this amazing player who you know probably should have been the first tackle, even though obviously he's right tackle, so it's, it's less of a premium position. But I think it's important to to kind of highlight that last year's the top four tackles were they were really looked at as like something special. But I think that this year's class especially at that tackle position is just, I think it's beyond what they should, they look like last year. As a whole, as a as, whole, as, as a whole, as a whole, this class is better. As yes. far as premium talent last year blows them out of the water. You think so? Cause I, I, think I, so. I only have, I, Rashawn Slater to me, Rashawn Slater is good, but come on. Becton is a mauler, just a physical specimen and a beast. You look at Tristan Wirfs, um, I would say Tristan Wirfs to me, I, I thought that he needed – I thought that he, he did much better than I thought he was going to do. I thought that he uh, he plays right tackle, so it's a little bit different. But um, he, I had him as my third tackle. And to be honest, I had Andrew Thomas uh, um, <laughs> ranked for uh, – what is that, fifth or fourth? Fourth by the time the draft rolled around. So I had Jedrick Wills one. I had Beckton two. I had Wirfs three, and I had Andrew Thomas at, at four. No, I'm sorry. I had Thomas at three and Wirfs at four because I thought that Wirfs was probably going to kick inside the play guard just because he needed some more time to mature, and uh, he needed to work on his technique a little bit. So now where would you have put I, – because I think Sewell would have been the first tackle off the board last year. If he went out with the other guys, I think he's the first tackle off the board. I don't think there's a question. Probably I, I, after, the, after that season, after that season that he had, 2019, yeah, I, I wouldn't be mad at that. But um, yeah, I think I think the Giants. Yeah, I think the Giants would probably take him number one overall because I mean, what Andrew Thomas was the third or fourth, and he went first. I really, you guys know, I really like Jedrick Wills as far as and he was a right tackle and he played. He started day one at left tackle and he held his own. Yeah. So I, I don't know Jedrick Wills' size, speed, everything he had, everything. I would probably still have Wills number one, just kind of like I do here, but. Sewell will probably get picked before him. Sewell will be somewhere in there. I'll probably have him. I'd have him ahead of. I have him ahead of Thomas and behind Becton, mm-hmm. and then Rashawn Slater. I will probably have. I'll probably have him tied for fifth with um, Andrew Thomas. I think I would have had Slater as probably my number two tackle. If if they, if it was if it was Sewell Slater and then the four guys from last year, I would have. I would have probably had Slater as my number two. Probably fringe number one. I probably wouldn't toss up. I mean, my, yeah. my stupid ass had Andrew Thomas number one because I thought he was the safest because I thought yeah. he was the most pro ready. But I mean, I, it's kind of just a little bit of a scenario based question, but I was just kind of curious because I think, like you said, the, the depth in this draft at the offensive line, especially that tackle position is just it's second to none. Like you're going to get a starter all the way through the fifth round. You really are. I think Alaric Jackson's one of my favorite tackles, especially at the uh, the senior bowl. He, he really held his own against some of the some of the pass rushers at the Bashams and the, and the Roche, uh, the Rochers. But I, I don't know. I thought it was just kind of – I was curious because I, I would venture to guess that Sewell would probably be the first tackle off the board just, just because of sheer hype and the season he came off of. But Exactly. He got a damn Heisman vote. So, you know, he yeah, he would have probably went um, – been the first tackle off the board. But me, I was just such a big fan of Jedrick Wills. He handled everything. He protected to his blind side. But, yeah, I just couldn't 
like after watching the film on Becton and just seeing how how he moved and his length and how you literally like even if he messes up on his footwork, you can't get around him. And I thought the only person that that was better was the person who has the prototypical size and the cleanest technique, which was Jedrick Wills. And to be real, I, I would probably I would probably kept Wills there, but mm, no, nah, man. I, if you if you if we're just going off hype and athleticism, I still would have want Becton too, just because of the just because of the things I said. And Becton's nasty, and you will never the only the only thing about Becton I'm ever going to worry about is durability. He finishes, but he I, he blocked it. He was blocking dudes off the screen. And they don't get much more hyped up than that. Every week I had to watch Brian Baldinger break down Becton, just oh, manhandling yeah. someone, just yeah. moving two or three dudes, you know, on, on a down block mm-hmm. every week. And it was just, it was, it was a sight to see every yeah. week. Yeah. And you, and, and sometimes Becton would get overextended and stuff like that. And we saw this year, he, he missed, he missed some plays just be, you know, just probably from being fatigued and stuff like that. But you give me the guys with the clean technique and, and and the and the ridiculous measurables. Yeah, so I would have probably had Sewell. He'd have probably been tied for two, but I would have probably had him three behind those guys because I really like I haven't seen a prospect that I love like Wills in a very long time. And, and you know, I mean, all those guys are starters. Yeah. So we really can't say that. And and to be honest, I still you you have to take into account the guys that have a high floor. So I think that Andrew Thomas had the highest floor. That's what we always oh, say. Yeah. That, I think that's, that's why. why. Yeah, exactly. At his worst, he's going to be an above-average left tackle for you. Yeah, he's going to yeah he's going to be like Nate Solder, Eric Fisher. Now he doesn't have those body types, high picks. Yeah, serviceable. You could plug him in there. They might piss you off a couple games, and he'll struggle against the real elite talent. But for the most part, he's going to be available, and he's going to be serviceable. And to be honest, that's that's what you want out of a top ten pick. So I really I really loved all that. I think Sewell is the only one that probably breaks into the top five of last year. And that's just because he's just, you know, from an athleticism standpoint, he's a freak. Um, Rashawn Slater, they would knock him just because he has short arms and all those other guys. They they were prototype tackles. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, – y'all talking about, about Beckton, man. I'm real interested to see him with a full offseason with this, with this new training staff and with this new, you know, uh, program that they got going on. Uh a lot of people's worried about his size and durability and you know Omar you mentioned fatigue I'm one of them yeah yeah I'm I'm real interested to see how this works with with him now man um because if they if they whip him into better shape my god it's it's over for who whoever is in front of him yeah and I and I think he will I was being a little bit hard on him just because I expect like to be honest my comp was like a Jonathan Ogden and yeah. I think Jonathan Ogden, Walter Jones, guys like that. And I think that those guys are, those guys are like once in a generation type guys. And like, you know, six foot seven guys don't move like that. Ogden was six, eight, six, I mean, six, nine guys do not move like that. Right. So I just want him to be, you know, I just want him to be durable and I just want him to, to remain healthy. And, you know, and that's pretty much it. And I have no reason to believe that he won't. Right. I, I agree. And, and, and I'm looking forward to it. So, um, you know, we've st- we started our, our draft coverage by position. First week we did uh, quarterback wide receiver. This week we touched on – I'm sorry, quarterback running backs. Yes. Uh, this week we touched on the offensive line. I think next week we'll go to the defensive side of the ball and and address our other biggest need, uh, which is cornerbacks. What y'all think about that? 
Yeah, yeah. backs are, are a big thing. I, I think cornerback is 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 pretty pretty robust too in this draft, and uh, something we'll have a lot to talk about. Um, we all have our favorites. Uh, we all have our dork horses, and I'm looking forward to, to uh, really getting into it. Uh, you guys got anything you want to add? Uh, no, I don't have anything to add. I think that um, these next two drafts are going to really define Joe Douglas's tenure. These next two drafts is going to actually define his career. If he knocks it out of the park with these with these next two drafts, he's going to be with the Jets for a very long time. If he does not knock it out of the park with these 22 draft selections that he has, Joe yeah. Douglas is probably going to be looking for another job. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. And, and uh, the last thing I really think I have to say, and I, I know I kind of missed the whole the Sam Darnold farewell tour at the beginning of this, but I just quickly want to say I, I wish him the best of luck. I personally think that him and Joe Brady are going to light it up. I think that he's going into a situation that's significantly better than than a, the situation he was, you know, put in here. And I think he's going to he is going to prove to Carolina and to the Jets fans that he's the quarterback that we wish he would have been with us. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's definitely a tough goodbye for me because I, I was behind him up until the very end until this season, but. Yeah, I just figured I'd give my little two cents about the whole Sam thing. I think that trade was a win for Joe Douglas, and I think that we're set up nicely for the next two years. But I will be uh, hopefully uh, staying tuned in uh, to what's going on down there in Carolina. So, yeah, hoping for the best for Sam. I think he's going to light it up, and I think he's going to kind of res- get his career going better than he did with us. Yeah, well, yeah. Like I said earlier, best of luck to him except week three when we play him. Um, and I hope he succeeds and the team stinks so that second and fourth round pick will be worth a lot more than, you know, so. All right. Well, shit, man. I really enjoyed this, man. Um, a lot of good information. You know, offensive line was something we all talked about for the absolute longest and this episode did not disappoint. So, on behalf of the fellas, myself, TK, Mr. Matthew Freeze, Mr. Omari Brown, the entire Flight Deck podcast, we thank you guys for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you for episode 13, where we'll talk about the cornerback position. Thanks for listening, and y'all have a good one.